You're listening to Jack Loves TV. I'm Jack Kelly, and each week I sit down with one of my friends and discuss all things television. Let's jump into TV news right away. So some of the TV news from this week, uh, Comic-Con happened, which is really exciting. Lots of casting and plot announcements for dozens of shows. You can find out all this information on tvline.com. And a couple other specific announcements. Nicole Maines has been cast as Nia Nall, a.k.a. Dreamer, on Supergirl, making her the first transgender superhero on television. So exciting. I'm, I should really get caught up on Supergirl. I'm quite a bit behind, but I'm very happy to be hearing that we are getting more trans representation on television. Frances McDormand is set to voice God on Amazon's Good Omens. My favorite part about this announcement is that they, when they were writing the part, they were thinking, okay, who are we going to get? And they were like, well, Frances McDormand, of course. And it couldn't be more perfect. And American Horror Story announced its new season's title, Apocalypse. It is set to be a mix of both Murder House and Coven. So we shall see what that's going to be like. It's the first real like crossover season of American Horror Story. We've had touches of other characters from other seasons appear in in new seasons as well as new situations. So we'll see kind of what happens in our first official blending of two seasons. Announcements that happened outside of Comic-Con. It's been announced that there's going to be a a Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot. You all know my opinions on reboots. This one is going to feature a black lead playing Buffy, as well as showrunner Monica Ouso-Breen, who's from Midnight, Texas. She also worked on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so she's familiar with Joss Whedon projects. And there was an article on Mary Sue that I definitely agree with. I'm not very excited about this. I think that there's going to be way too much comparison to the original Buffy, which is going to be coming at a, it's going to come at a detriment to the, whoever they cast as the new Buffy, as well as Uso Breen herself, because, you know, they're just going to get constantly compared to the original. And I very much agree with the article, which was written by a, a black fan who she said that, you know, it's, they want to be able, she wants to see stories that are created and that aren't going to be constant comparison and that this is going to be constantly known as the Black Buffy or the series that has the Black Buffy. And it's really disappointing. And I hope that, you know, we do see stories that are similar to this, but are completely original by Black voices that are for audiences of all races. Black Lightning is a great example. They're doing really amazing work. So if that's something that you're into, go for it. Um, but I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna check out the Buffy reboot, but I'm gonna support it when it happens. But like everything else, I just wish it wasn't happening. Shonda, speaking of black showrunners, Shonda Rhimes has eight series at Netflix that are currently under development, and that is a lot. That is so many. On TV Line, they have all of them listed. And I'm very, I'm mostly excited about the series that is about the Anna DeVray, uh, Delvey, Anna Delvey series. Uh, it's the girl that tricked a whole bunch of New York socialites into supporting her lifestyle. She lived in a hotel and was actually completely broke and just scammed her way into everything. And it's going to be a new series and I'm so excited about it. 
There's a Rugrats revival that has been ordered at Nickelodeon. Once again, not a fan of all this rebooting and revivaling nonsense, but I, you know what, I will, I might watch this and I might not, honestly, because I don't watch many cartoons. I really do love the Rugrats. So we'll see if they try to go more of like a 3D route with it or this like more rounded route. I'm not sure if I like it because I really like the the sharpness of, you know, the edginess of the original Rugrats. Renewals and cancellations. Renewals, Winona Earp. And then two series that I have friends that work on. So Cloak and Dagger got renewed for a second season and Man in the High Castle got renewed for a third. So while, you know, America is in its series finale. And the only cancellation that happened this week was Colony. The following conversation was actually recorded back in May. And I am so excited to finally release it to you guys. It is a conversation I had with my friend Stevie St. John, who actually traveled all the way from Oklahoma to come visit folks and actually record for this podcast. And we discussed bisexuality on television, which is a topic that I am in love with and I'm so happy that it's happening right now and that we're living through that. So I hope that you all enjoy. You're listening to Jack Loves TV. I'm Jack Kelly and each week I sit down with one of my friends and discuss all things television. This week I'm joined by my friend Stevie St. John and we're talking a bisexuality representation on television. Hi Stevie. Hello. It's good to see you again. You too. Haven't seen you in a couple years. Yeah, it's been uh, about three and a half years since I left Southern California, and this um, is my first visit back. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. This is your first visit back? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I took a trip to Santa Cruz, um, but I haven't been back to LA since I moved, so. Incredible. Yeah. Well, we're not here to talk about you moving and doing all the things. We're here to talk television. All right. So what are you watching? Um... Two shows that I recently got um, really into were um, The Good Place. And so good. Yes. Yes. So good. And um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Also so good. Yes. Very good. I'm so thrilled that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend got a fourth season. I will not stop saying that, especially the way that the third season ended. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, I had heard that it was good and it was, you know, nominally something I thought I would watch sometime and, um, it was, it was really beyond what I expected. So funny and dramatic and like heavier than I thought, but in a good way. Yeah. That's kind of, that's what I had found about the show too, is that, you know, I was so worried, you know, seeing the ads for it and just the title of it. I was like, ugh, I'm not going to watch that. Right. And then as soon as you start watching it, you're like, oh, this is actually subverting that title and being about way more than just that. Yes. And that's the best part. Same with like Jane the Virgin also subverting its own trope. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but it sounds Ugh. really interesting. Jane the Virgin is also incredible. Uh, talked about it on a previous episode and it's it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal show. Also yeah. very glad that it got its final season so stoked about it. Uh, what other kind of shows do you watch? Like what genres? Um, well, I'm, I have not caught up yet, but I'm looking forward to watching the new season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, I, yeah. That either just dropped or is about to, I think. I think it's close to. And um, Handmaid's Tale. I watched the first season. Haven't seen season two yet. Oh, I'm, I have, I've started and then I got distracted mm-hmm. by a thousand other things. Yeah. Um, 
I really like mystery shows, um, not just procedurals, but I mean, including procedurals, including things like um, you and I talked about the fact that we both really liked House, which is like a mystery show in a medical with a medical twist. Yeah, to it. yeah. Um, Sherlock, um, the Miss Fisher mysteries, a lot of things in that vein. Yeah, Sherlock also incredible, and yeah, we were originally going to talk about House, but you brought up this topic because you had written a couple articles on it. And I was like, you know what? Right. I want to talk about this because then yeah. articles from like Vulture came out recently and I was like, this, we need to discuss that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm glad that you were willing to, you know, switch things up. Absolutely. House is, House deserves like, like three episodes to be talked about because <laughs> it's so long and there's so much right. going on in that, in that show. <laughs> I have so many mixed feelings about right. it. And like, I loved it. I watched almost all of it. And then there was a certain point where it was like something happened. I forget what it was exactly because it's been so long mm -hmm. that I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. Right. <laughs> like I, I never finished the show completely. I did eventually, but it was a long time after it ended yeah. that I actually watched the last season. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the fin the final episode. Mm -hmm. So I know how it ends. Right. Which I'm appreciative of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I have a lot of other feelings for the in-between. Yeah. <laughs> for all the middle stuff. Let's go into our big discussion. All right. So one of the things that has kind of been coming up a lot lately in TV is bisexuality representation, which is awesome. Yeah. And also kind – it's kind of weird in that it's like it feels very sudden that there – it's not just that there's more – people identifying as bisexual on TV, but that it's sudden that it's all being, most of it's being portrayed very accurately mm -hmm. and appropriately. Right. And not a sideshow, which I think is very intriguing. It is. And it does, I'm, since I don't have cable or live TV and like I watch, you know, I watch things online, I tend to be a little behind. Like I'll get into something after it's been on for ages. Like, right. like I said, I, I just now watched like, all of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and all of The Good Place. So, like, I really didn't have an awareness this was happening until we started talking about it and I saw some people, you know, share that article on Facebook. And, yeah, there's just, like, a, a big shift. And it's really cool to see more of these stories on, on scripted television. Yeah, just to kind of give everybody a breakdown of kind of what's happening is GLAAD, uh, which is a LGBT organization that does a lot of media stuff they do a lot of things honestly but glad particularly puts out this annual report of what they've observed in lgbt representation in media which is awesome so the report for this year the 2017-2018 there were 901 regular characters in broadcast scripted primetime programming basically the big five and 58 so 6.4 percent identified as lgbtq and there were an additional 28 recurring characters. So the 58 are like prime main characters on shows that actually if you if you look at the cable shows it increases to 103 and there's a recurring 70. So is that what I'm looking at? I think I'm getting these numbers wrong. Where is this? I didn't make good enough notes. Just kidding. I'm going to have Christian scratch that. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, but there are 51 
on streaming services and 19 recurring increase of five total characters from last year. Now, the interesting thing is that bisexual characters make up 28% of LGBTQ characters tracked across all platforms, which is a huge percentage. Yeah. Honestly. And it's heavily skewed towards women, which doesn't surprise me at all. No. Uh, with 75 women identifying as bisexual to 18 men, mm-hmm. which needs to be bigger because yeah. it's there are more bisexual men out there. And if there's more representation, then there's more people that can say, oh, I can be like that and it's and it'll be okay. Right. So and just to kind of give everybody an idea of what it used to be, the report from literally 10 years ago, there were 650 regular characters, only seven were LGBTQ. There were no LGBTQ characters on CBS, Fox, or CW. And now, currently, uh, CW and Fox have the most LGBTQ representation at 11% and 10% respectively. So that's 11% of their characters. I believe that's what that number is. I should have taken better notes, honestly. But the of the regular characters... There were only there was only one bisexual woman and one bisexual man in 2007 to 2008. And on cable, there were six bisexual men and five bisexual women. And that's it. Yeah. That was 10 years ago. Yeah. It's amazing. 10. Like, so it's it's really incredible. And if you look at kind of the the trajectory of bisexual characters, there's definitely a huge upswing in the last seven years i keep forgetting that like 2010 was officially like eight years ago yes keeps feeling like it was only three (laughs) Uh, it just tells you tells you all the things that's been happening in my life so it's it's really remarkable just to kind of like look at the numbers and see the breakdown of what it used to be like yeah yeah it's amazing that it's changed so quickly and it's and more um there are more characters, more accurate portrayals. Um, it's just, yeah, really exciting yeah. to see um, so many more portrayals of LGBT, um, of bisexual specifically, but of LGBT characters. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And just kind of give like a brief history. Uh, in 1990, was actually the first primetime recurring bisexual character on TV was C.J. Lamb on L.A. Law. Also the first lesbian kiss on primetime television oh right was la law oh yeah the same character yeah however the first big five bisexual lead was clark griffin on the 100 and that was in 2015 yeah that was three years ago right three like y'all it's it's just it's so frustrating to know that that was only three years ago right and it took 25 years from being a recurring character to being a lead. Yeah. And even then, she's still, I think, one of the only ones. Trying to rack my brain for for other examples. And almost anybody I came up with were all side characters. Uh, there's Annalise Keating, How Annalise. to Get Away with Murder. Yep, Annalise. Yeah, I'd call her the one. lead. Um, that's the only one I can think of. Yeah. And I would argue that David Rose on Schitt's Creek is also a lead, but that's also more of an ensemble comedy, so it's a little more challenging to determine 
where the leads right. are exactly. Some quotes on bisexuality before, I guess, 2010. Sex and the City's Carrie Bradshaw in 2000 said that bisexuality was a layover on the way to gay town. 30 Rock's Liz Lemon in 2009 said bisexuality is just something they invented in the 90s to sell hair products, which doesn't make any sense, honestly. Yeah, I'm not sure I get what the... I get what... I don't understand what bisexuality has to do with hair, but okay. And the L word in 2006 just said that bisexuality was gross. Right. Which is a common, common thing. Now, the regular tropes that bisexual... So we were talking about how, you know, bisexual characters are often depicted in very specific tropes. Yes. Especially harmful tropes. Yes, absolutely. Glad identified three that are common tropes in that depiction of bisexual plus characters using sex solely as a means of manipulation or transaction. Mm-hmm. And that's really, it's it's a common thing because it allows, you know, the creators to take one character and they can use them to ma- now manipulate queer characters as well. Right. And it's like, oh, well, you know, she's a lesbian. She's not going to, you know, listen to the to the straight man trying to tell her, you know, trying to convince her to do things. But, right. oh, we can send in this bisexual character to do the thing. It's like, really? <sighs> so frustrating. So, like, what's an example of that from TV? Because, like, I can think of, like, I'm familiar with of the of the with the trope but i think of it more in film and like when i try to think of like what's an example in television i can't think of one television oh what am i hmm i'd have to think more about that one because like i think that um the most famous was be the um i can't remember the name of the film the sharon stone one basic instinct like that's your most famous like evil bisexual yeah kind of the the epitome of that trope in my head i would definitely have to think more about it because I tend to shows that have bad queer representation, I tend to stop watching right. <laughs> at a certain point. So it's hard for me to like, of course, really think about it. And just because there's so much TV in my head, I'm trying to think of one. Uh, there's treating a character's attraction to more than one gender as a temporary plot device, mm-hmm. which is a common one. Yeah, the sweep sweeks, yeah, sweep, sweep kiss, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's always kind of. Making the making it a spectacle and making it, yeah, sweeps week sort of situation, as well as kind of a oh, well, they experimented once, we're gonna make this interesting and give this character more depth. Which, right, but then, (sighs) but then it just like becomes irrelevant to the character, I guess. Like, I feel like it would, I would feel a little bit differently if the character story kind of went that way and like okay sure it's during sweeps week and then it actually becomes part of the character that would be different than oh yeah it was sweeps oh yeah remember 10 years ago there was that gay kiss during sweeps week but then that character did like it didn't matter yeah it was all a dream don't worry about it oh it's a queer woman oh well we killed her after that <laughs> right because that's what we do to queer women on tv yes Ah, kill your lesbians is a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing, and it's a real problem. It's getting marginally better. And the last one that Glad identified was that they chose depicting bisexual characters as inherently untrustworthy or lacking a sense of morality. Mm-hmm. And that one, I mean, we you mentioned Annalise Keating, and I mm-hmm. think that's one is that 
you know, luckily her sexuality, they've, they've done a really great job on how to get away with murder of divorcing her sexuality and her <laughs> lack of morality. Yeah. Or her different morality. Right. As completely separate things. But I can easily see how somebody would conflate the two. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's and it's troubling, too, because a lot of times, you know, comedies are usually the more progressive of the shows. But, you know, oftentimes comedies are not always about these, like, morally upright people. Right. And it's, you know, it's one thing that I've noticed, same with people of color, like, you know, The Good Place is an amazing show for representation. Mm-hmm. There's you know, all sorts of people on The Good Place. But at the same time, spoiler alert for The Good Place, they're all in the bad place. They're all bad people. So what does that really say? You know, what does that really do? But because it's, you know, a show that is bringing representation, it's very hard to decide if it's, I think it's ultimately a good thing Mm -hmm. because it's one, a phenomenal comedy that's, not about it's not about bad people being bad it's about bad people trying to be better mm-hmm. and even then they're not bad people they're just they just have their extreme flaws right and their ethics are not all in place yeah so you know and then that one too you have uh eleanor who has been pegged as bisexual even though they haven't said the word right which is Another common thing. These Now we're Absolutely. going to the things that I've identified as problems. One is that shows have a real hard time saying the word bisexual. Definitely. Which is a pain. Mm-hmm. And that bisexual characters are somehow incapable of monogamy. They're always, the shows feel the need to go, oh, well, we have to show that, you know, this person likes likes more than one gender. So we need to show them dating all sorts of people. It's like you can just have them be in two relationships. Mm -hmm. You can have them be in one relationship. Right. And just identify them as bisexual. Right. Absolutely. It's, you know, queer people are going to call it what what we want to call it. (laughs) Ultimately, (laughs) at the end of the day, we'll say, you know what? We'll call it a gay relationship because that... The words are ours, and we use them to define however we want them to be defined. So it's, you know, and that's another thing is that they, this one, this one I really point to Willow as as an example of uh, immediately identified as gay or lesbian despite having a previous past of heterosexual relationships. Yes, absolutely. And that kind of proves the Carrie Bradshaw- as just a pit stop on the way to gay town. Right. But and in the context of the series, like the the episode where um like Oz comes back and she's trying to figure out what to do next, like it's never like just in the context of that episode, like the character is never saying that. The character's never like, Am I am I straight? You know, am I gay? Like it's a story about like these two people who are obviously important to her. And then yeah, and then that all kind of falls away yeah and they can't they can't just like make her bisexual they can't they just have to be like well she's a lesbian now be like she she can like both of them yeah you know the the relationship that willow had with oz was fantastic yeah oz was one of my favorite characters yeah they like they had a really like let me say it 
they're really like they were they're really sweet together and yeah like you could tell it was an important relationship and, very supportive yeah. very warm loving and then you know seth green's contract ran out <laughs> he was only there for so many episodes and then he had to leave yeah so you know it's it's fine like i'm glad that we did get the willow terror relationship until you know it's uh, you know they killed Tara, which another kill your gays trope. Yeah. But it's still frustrating that. And that's not to say that lesbians haven't dated men before dating women. Right. But it's annoying that we have to immediately jump and that we can't have characters that just identify as bisexual as well. Absolutely. I think I've heard that um, when the series started, they didn't know whether Willow would be the one to come out or if it would be Xander. Yeah. And I wonder if it had been known from the beginning, if it would have made a difference, like in how the Oz relationship was handled or yeah. I'm just curious, like yeah. how would it have been different if they had that planned from the beginning? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because they could have planted the seeds better. But then again, it was also 90s television. Yeah. And 90s television was not the best, folks. <laughs> was not the best (laughs) i hate to tell everybody this but it was not the best now one one of the articles that you had written Mm -hmm. uh, one of the articles that you had written was actually about dean pelton yes on community yes and community was a show that i watched i also worked on dan Harmon's podcast harmontown for like a year and a half worked the live show uh but dean pelton and i is a very interesting character in how they've depicted his sexuality. I I was wondering if you wanted to talk more about that. Sure. Um, I really love the Dean character. Um, there's a lot of um, there are a lot of jokes in the series about how the Dean's orientation is unknown, and so there there is that like it's a runner of like we don't really know. Where, where the Dean falls, but it's not just a one-note character. Like, he's a really interesting character who's, you know, quirky and is not quite part of the core group, but is very much... Desperately part, wants to be part of the wants core Wants to be and, um, you know, is is part of this, you know, quirky community um, and has a lot... Um, just a really interesting character that I thought was, was done well. Um and has um like the character does things like dresses up in really elaborate costumes which like in itself isn't it's a separate thing from sexuality but it's obviously part of this um persona of like you know who is this character and um what's he all about and people um there's sort of a lot of um there are a lot of little one-off jokes about um there's a joke about the dean wearing a wedding ring and like through the whole series um you've never seen the dean dating or you've never seen any reference to a partner and so one of the characters seems really confused and was like oh who's the lucky and it just trails off like she doesn't know whether to ask like man or woman or like she's just you know thrown for a loop um and I, that really easily could just be a gross joke but it, it's not played like one you know what i mean it's just more played like this is just part of this yeah. complex human. Yeah. Like, um, I want to be respectful, but I also don't know quite how to ask this question. Yeah. yeah and that was uh, Annie who asked the question, yes. right? Yes, exactly. Which makes sense for her character. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I wrote about, um, just the idea that this character was, I felt was like a positive representation of, even though they're during the, um, network run, there wasn't a real label put on the Dean. Someone else does refer to the Dean as pansexual, but that's not a self-identified label. So right. it's, it's left pretty ambiguous during the series run. Af- after that, on the Yahoo season, there's like a coming out type episode. Um, but when I wrote about it, that hadn't happened yet. Um, and so I really felt like it was a positive thing, um, as great as it is to see characters who are out and have the, that label. This felt like more of this character may be on a journey or maybe we just don't know. But either way, it's someone who, for the most part, is a positive character and obviously falls somewhere on the continuum and is, you know, part of this place with this with a very uh, – Just a real wacky place. A real wacky place where, yeah, everyone's a little has – their, has their quirks and, and this person that includes, like, you know, these outfits. I just – I love how the outfits sometimes are puns, you know? like yeah. That's just so much effort into not just the outfits, but the wordplay. Yeah, um, is just is so funny. Yeah, like the idea that you're like it's not just about the the dresses. It's just like so committed to telling them about the Caesar salad bar that I'm gonna dress <laughs> up like Julius Caesar. Like so good, it's so good. And Jim Rash does such a nice job too. Yes, and I think I think part of it also probably lies on him in deciding to depict the Dean this way. And I know that Jim Rash himself identifies as straight, mm-hmm. but he often will do a lot of scenes because I, I I used to see him at the Groundlings and he would play a lot of, you know, gay characters in mm-hmm. scenes, but also would not, he wouldn't make, like the Dean was basically the, the character that he plays on stage. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the Dean from City College, Jordan Black, oh, yeah. plays a lot of scenes with Jim Rash and they're usually a, a gay couple mm-hmm. together and that's exactly those two characters is who they play so it was phenomenal to see both of them be that and it's like that is you know so it's they have such it was such an interesting chemistry between the two of them yeah it's like clearly there's some history there but you're kind of left to guess like is it just like was it just a close friendship? Was there like some like romantic or sexual chemistry? Mm-hmm. Was it is it strictly like professional and it's just got this weird undertone to mm-hmm. it because we are in this weird universe? But the yeah, it's there is something to be said. You know, it is it is always good to say the word. However, there is something to also be said in having characters who do identify or who don't identify. They just live their lives and mm-hmm. are just accepted for who they are. Right. And there's no questioning of it. Mm-hmm. There's just questions about it. Right. But nothing that diminishes their identity or their lack of identifying. Yeah, absolutely. As anything. And I think for community, it was it's such a specific environment that it allowed the Dean to kind of be who he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And explore those things because that show is just a wild, wild ride. Yes. From from top to bottom. Uh, kind of going into more characters that are on television. Mm-hmm. One of my most vivid memories of the shows that I watched was Torchwood. Mm-hmm. And Torchwood, did you did you watch Torchwood? I did not. So 
Funny, funny story about Torchwood. I watched Torchwood before I watched Doctor Who. Uh-huh. It's a weird entry point to Doctor <laughs> Who, let me tell you. But on, but on Torchwood, all five of the leads, all characters are identified as some level of bisexuality, which is awesome. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like you have Captain Jack, who's identified actually as an omnisexual, and it's very prevalent. Like they make it a point on mm-hmm. Doctor Who to show that Captain Jack will flirt with men, women, and aliens. He does not care. <laughs> right. Which is phenomenal. And you have other characters to other degrees. You have two characters who are lesser so bisexual. They're mostly depicted in heterosexual relationships. But then you have two characters who have two very, they have distinct relationships mm-hmm. with people of both the same gender and a different gender, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. You know, and they, once again, don't make a big deal out of it. Right. They make storylines about it or like about their relationships, but nothing that is too heavy handed. Nothing mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you have to identify. It's like, no, we don't. So it's just accepted in this world as fact. Yeah. Which is awesome. Other Very cool. Other current notable characters and really the main reason, this first one is the main reason mm-hmm. why all these articles are coming out, I would say, is Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Because she's currently being portrayed by Stephanie Beatriz, who is out as a bisexual woman as well. And it was so cool because the creators of the show, they sat down with her and were like, hey, we're going to have Rosa come out as bisexual. Is that okay with you? And she's like, of course. And then they said, what is important to you that Mm -hmm. we address in this storyline? And she said, I want, she's like, one, the biggest thing I want you to say the word. I want her to actually say the word. And she had a lot of input in how the story went and how Rosa came out. And they were very gentle with it, which doesn't surprise me in the slightest because Brooklyn Nine-Nine is very good with different topics. And one of the best lines happening in the finale was Terry asking Rosa, like, she's single now. Like, you never know... uh, it, you know who might come along and they and he makes a point to say they and she she asks him i can tell you you googled how to talk to your bisexual friend <laughs> yep <laughs> like yeah it's you know they make it a point that you know people are are learning about this and mm-hmm. they're gonna make these weird choices right but basically saying like you don't have to talk to your bisexual friend in this weird way terry mm-hmm. but at the same time Rosa gets like she meets a meets a she took it's so hard to not, like not give spoilers just because it's such a wonderful surprise but she ends up seeing this woman who like like her mind is just blown and Terry is so excited about it it's great it's so it's so wonderful to see such a supportive group crazy ex-girlfriend which you're watching yes has and you're all caught up with it correct? I am yes so there are three bisexual characters yes on crazy ex-girlfriend daryl whitefeather who everybody knows yes he sings getting by mm-hmm. which the story of that song coming about they actually they got a list of common bisexual misconceptions from glad mm-hmm. and the songwriters literally sat down and were like all right we're just gonna put these all in a song and they literally just bullet point by bullet point put them all in the song 
And that's how that song came about. It was so fast. Yeah. And um, and it's so fun. Yeah. Like, that was actually my first exposure to the show before oh, before nice. I actually watched it. Yeah, like same. I've seen that video tons of times because like it's so catchy. Oh, yeah. And like I had watched it several times and, you know, thought it was funny. And like I love that. Like they did their homework and – you know, you can do your homework and find out, like, what are the misconceptions and what do we need to address? And it doesn't have to be, like, a PSA. It can be hilarious. Yeah. It can be a very – it can be just very straightforward and fun. And it's done in the style of Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. I mean, that's how it all should be done, correct? <laughs> I'm I'm always right. <laughs> and then you have Valencia. Right. Who came out as bisexual. But she – her coming out was so much quieter. You know, she just started talking to Beth and then we did a time jump and they're dating. Right. And there's no, there's, you know, obviously because of the time jump, we don't see everybody's reaction to it. But obviously nine months later, nobody's having a big reaction to it. Right. Nobody has a problem with it, least of all Josh, who, you know, dated Valencia. <laughs> right. Yeah, for a long time. And you'd think that he would have some sort of, uh, what happens to is, you know, Often characters get in some sort of like weird headspace mm -hmm. and thinking like, oh, was it something that I did? Is it something about me? And it's like, no, people are allowed to be attracted to who they want to be attracted to. Yeah, it's something not just in the context of that of that song, but like that show seems to do really well. It's like Daryl sings about all those misconceptions just because he's like telling everyone you know, like and you know he feels so like excited and wants to be out and proud but the people around him like they don't have a problem with it you know, i mean maya's like oh you know i'm just glad this place is so accepting because you know i'm also bisexual maya now is not the time <laughs> just so so perfect right and um i think um the main character rebecca like she has a conversation with daryl's ex-wife and like the the ex thinks that Rebecca's hitting on her and she's like, Oh, I'm I'm not bi that Daryl's the bi one. And like it's his ex wife and like she doesn't like she doesn't care. Like yeah. that has nothing to do with their problems. And right. and Rebecca's like, Oh, neither am I, but like on the Kinsey scale, I'm probably like blah blah blah. So it's like yeah. you know, it's people who like kind of get it and it's not a big deal. And I really liked um in the Daryl White Josh relationship, White Josh is a gay character. And a lot of times in lesbian and gay circles, there are a lot of misconceptions about bisexuality and a lot of anxieties about being in relationships with bisexual people. And you don't see any of that with White Josh. Like, it, it doesn't matter to him. White Josh is my baby. I love him so much. He's awesome. He's my favorite. I will protect him with my life. <laughs> He's an angel and can't do anything wrong. Anyway, uh, other good examples are... Petra Solano on Jane the Virgin, she comes out very quietly and slowly, and it's so sweet how she dies, and it's and all the characters are so supportive of her as she kind of explores this side of herself. And then, of course, David on Chitts Creek, who uses the perfect wine metaphor for coming out as pansexual, and, well, he explains it to Stevie, doesn't use the word... And she gets it mm -hmm. because, you know, saying, I like the wine and not the label, if that makes sense. And she says, absolutely. And then later, it's his dad talking to the mayor and they're high on mushrooms. 
and he says, my son is pansexual, <laughs> you know, and then it cues Roland to eventually say, you know, we can't help who our kids love. Mm-hmm. And it's a very quiet moment of acceptance that, you know, wasn't a big thing. It started because Stevie thought that David was gay, but then they slept together and she's like, uh, you seemed really into that. And he's <laughs> like, well, uh, I'm not just gay. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into whomever I'm into. Right. Which makes total sense for David. So a couple of the stories that have kind of come out recently, and this one I really wanted to wanted to touch on was in the story of and uh, Gronish. There's a character called Nomi who kind of has like this internalized homophobia and biphobia. She identifies as bisexual and starts dating a guy who she later finds out also identifies as bisexual, but she gets the feeling as you mentioned before that you know both gay and straight characters will get Mm -hmm. straight gay and straight people right will get in dating a bisexual person in the imagining them with somebody of a of the same gender Mm -hmm. as as their partner and she's she has a hard time dealing with the fact that her boyfriend used to have sex with men yeah and that's why they broke up. And it's and it's so interesting. And the other characters call her out for it. Yeah. But it's honestly a really fascinating example of the type of internalized stuff that, you know, queer people can deal with as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's a wonderful depiction. I know personally I identify on the bi pan spectrum and I often, you know, I can fall prey to that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and you know, have, being the confused type, I'm confused about a lot of things. My sexuality can sometimes be one of them. And so it's it's really nice to see that that is something that is being addressed. It's a real thing that people do struggle with is the internalized homophobia and biphobia and transphobia that can happen also in the trans community. So it's it's a really interesting plot point. Not really plot point. It's a good story. Yeah, I I didn't know about that until I was preparing, but I'm I I like that they address that and that other that I guess the character acknowledged like I know this is hypocritical oh, yeah. and and got called out on it like I think yeah. that's great yeah there seem to be like a couple of a couple of things going on with that kind of mindset of of people who are monosexual either thinking just dismissing the idea that people are bisexual you know especially if they if their identities have fluctuated, um, kind of putting your own experience onto other people. Um, and um, and then, like you were saying, that anxiety of, oh, like, does that mean that I can never be, like, what they want? And, like, it's all very – just like like you were saying, all about, like, your own headspace and anxieties, yeah. not reality. Right. So it's really cool that they portrayed that and called the character out on it. Oh, it's fantastic. And – I wanted to get to one final question before we go into the game. Okay. Why do you think there's been such a boom in bisexual characters on TV? Is it because we're in the next phase of television? We've kind of covered all of the lesbian gay topics that a lot of shows like to cover. Bisexuality is the new frontier. Well, um I don't know. I'll, I'll speculate. I don't I don't know, but um I think then it's partly because culturally, um, after having been through um, the 
fight for marriage equality and starting to get a lot of a lot of attention at first being on that but eventually just the community having more of a voice I think is a big factor um I remember um the website after Ellen that um covered um lesbian and bisexual women in in the media um I know um they talked about um one reason was bisexual characters kind of um open up more options for the character just for relationships yeah um just because then you can um introduce love interests of different gender and and opens up more possibilities so from a writing perspective that may just be a yeah a bonus um and probably just the people behind the scenes are changing i mean the yeah. people who are younger are much more likely to identify outside of to identify as LGBT and to identify outside of binaries, whether yeah. it's gender or monosexual. Um, so more of them are probably getting out there and influencing what we're seeing. Yeah, I completely agree. Co-signed all of that. <laughs> so going into the game, and I I prepared even more for you just because there's a lot more of these and they're so specific. Okay. So there are a lot of bisexual tropes. And I am going to describe okay. a trope. And so I've just given Stevie a list of all of these types of tropes. Uh-huh. And I'm going to read the description. And I need you to tell me what you think the name of that trope is. Okay. Okay. A character's bisexuality underscores their villainous nature. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find one that says evil. Um, it could be depraved bisexual. That is correct. Okay. Eee. A lover who defies usual gender preferences. Uh, if it's you, it's okay. Yep. Tropes from gay to straight. Kinsey scale of tropes? Yep. Sexy enough to threaten heterosexuality. Um, even the girls' guys want her him. Close. It's uh, stupid sexy Flanders. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a Simpsons reference. These people have something to offer to any gender preference. Um... Take a guess. I don't know. Um, is it everyone wants the? I don't. I'm not comfortable with using this word. Uh, I'll say it. Uh, everybody wants the hermaphrodite, which is a it's a ter- it's a very slurtastic term. Uh, you know, to depict somebody that has you know multiple sets of genitalia. That's like the specific term of hermaphrodite. But you know, it's. It's a real fun trope, obviously, that's, you know, been depicted in many things. Someone with bi subtext. Ambiguously bi. Yeah. Stated to be bi, but only really seen interested in one gender. But not too bi. Yeah. No one can like more than one gender. No bisexuals. Yeah. Two characters work together to to get who they want. Teamwork seduction? Yep. Although a series has plenty of opposite-sex characters, this character only attracts same-sex characters. Say that again? Although a series has plenty of opposite-sex characters, this character only seems to attract same-sex characters. Oh, only has same-sex admirers. Yep. And my personal favorite, threesomes are hot. It's the last one. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's the name of it. (laughs) It's just called A Threesome is Hot, which is a favorite of a lot of... They're like, how do we make this interesting? Let's make a character bisexual and have them have a threesome. Great. Fantastic. You did good. The tropes are well-named, aren't they? Yes, they are well-named. Yeah, and as you can tell, there's and there's a few more in here 
I was I was very sneaky and I I gave Stevie a list of a bunch and then didn't name a bunch. There's some that's called Experimented in College. Uh, even the girls want her slash even the guys want him. By the way, that one is that description is bisexual and reasonable. <laughs> so that's that's the type of the oh I'm I'm blah 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 oh and I happen to be bisexual. Mm-hmm. So it's the it's the better type of representation Mm -hmm. of you know not making it this weird thing there's also immortality bisexuality which is a thing yeah that had not really occurred to me until like i was actually looking at tv tropes today yeah like what are the tropes listed and that's one of them like apparently that's a thing if you have immortal characters it's so funny that like that's a common like right. It's a common enough trope specific enough to <laughs> yeah. immortal beings. It's wild. It's wild. Examples being Captain Jack Harkness from mm-hmm. Torchwood and Magnus Bane from Shadowhunters, played by Harry Shum Jr., who I mostly know from Glee, which is also another show that has a uh, not so great bisexual representation. But Glee also did a lot of not so great things. I love that show, but. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> and sure. um vampires in the Whedon verse would count yes. also. They're they're very fluid. Yes, that yes, that too. That too. All right. So we've gotten to the thirty second pitch. Okay. So Steve, I'm gonna have you name the show and then I'm gonna count you down for your thirty seconds. What show will you be pitching to the people? Adam ruins everything. Oh, I like this one. Okay. In three, two, one, go. Adam Ruins Everything is a TV show featuring um, Adam Conover from collegehumor.com. He debunks common misconceptions um, and brings in experts to talk about research and a lot of interesting history behind uh, misconceptions that you might have about um, everyday life, um, policy decisions, um, all sorts of interesting stuff. Yeah, that's under 30 seconds. You got 20, 27.66. All right. Killing it. I love Adam's Ruins Everything. I will also co-sign that. It's a great show. And right now they're doing history yes. of the U.S., which is, you know, I just always think back to my AP U.S. history class when I had to read Lies My Teacher Told Me, mm-hmm. which, oh, America, oh, America, rewriting our own history. We're fun. Well, Stevie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, traveling all the way to Los Angeles to come sit on my couch and hang out with me and my cats and talk about bisexuality on TV. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Is there anywhere where the people can follow you on Twitter or wherever? Um, No, I'm not really active on the internets right now. So that's um, fair. I guess not. That's fair. Staying off the grid. Yeah. I I can... uh, I appreciate that. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jack Loves TV. If you can, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes. It really helps and it makes me happy. And I want to thank my producer, Christian, for everything that he does. And I'm part of the Zeitheist Network. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye. <laughs>